Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories Special Edition is a production of Intercom Communications. Welcome to Special Edition. I'm Paula Dagnan. This week, coming up on our program, Julia Treat. Intercom's Doc Medic spoke with her about her book, Stepping into the Light. We're going to start off with Pennsylvania Auditor General Eugene DePasquale. He talks with Norman Bristol Cologne, the Executive Director of the Governor's Census 2020 Complete Count Commission. It was just on Friday that a federal judge stopped the 2020 census from finishing at the end of September and now will continue the count through the end of October. It's still important to be counted. Obviously, there's a lot of things going on in the world right now, but one of the things that matters this year is the census. And the reason why we wanted to have this topic now is that the census information makes sure that every single Pennsylvanian fills it out that determines how much federal funding we get, also making sure we have proper representation, at least from the number of members in the United States House of Representatives. So for that, Norman, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Thank you, General. Thank you for the opportunity to talk to the people of Pennsylvania. And as you well know, General, this is the 22nd census in our history. We have been doing this in 1790. Uh, It is mandated by the U.S. Constitution, and we have been doing this every 10 years. So for us, it's a civic duty uh, call for every single Pennsylvanian and every single American to be counted in the census for us in Pennsylvania to make sure that we are in full compliance with the U.S. Constitution. Tell people a little bit about your background. I mean, you've been involved in public affairs for quite some time now, so... I know, I believe, and tell me if I'm wrong, that the governor appointed you to this position. So um, walk people a little bit through how that happened as well. Well, you know, for for the people of Pennsylvania, I have been so blessed to move to PA from Puerto Rico, from Puerto Rico, and and attend the Penn State University. After graduating from Penn State... By the way, as a a pit guy, I won't take that personally. You know, Abe Amoros asked me to, to tell you that. Oh, I, I, am, I will I will take that up with him this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, after graduating from Penn State, I have been involved in Pennsylvania, uh, not only politics, but uh, civic engagement, improving the, the social, economic, uh, political, uh, and educational conditions of, of Pennsylvanians. Uh, and I was lucky enough that when Governor Rendell came into office, he appointed me right away to be the director of the governor's Latino commission. Uh, and back then, when I when we worked together, 
Uh, we had about 396,000 Latinos in Pennsylvania. Today we have almost 1 million Latinos in Pennsylvania. And then after that, I have the, the opportunity to get involved uh, in politics, run for mayor of Lancaster. And now uh, after uh, being working with the Pennsylvania Department of State as special assistant to the secretary, uh, the governor appointed me to lead the, the governor's complete count, uh, census 2020 complete count commission. So I have been in the in the work for about two decades in PA, very proud of the work that we have been doing. Uh, and I am, once again, I am blessed to, to have this opportunity. A lot of people sometimes think that the census happens once every 10 years, but the work really never ends from the Census Bureau on the counting as it tries to continually adjust for changing demographics of every state, not just Pennsylvania. Um, you know, how long have you been in, when did the governor appoint you and what's your budget, what's your staff look like? Uh, you know, obviously you don't have to get down to the penny, but roughly speaking, what what's, uh, what is at your disposal to make sure that this count happens as accurately as possible? Well, you know that I have been involved in, in the census uh, when I was uh, much, much younger and, and Governor Rich was the governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, he engaged a lot of individuals outside of state government to do the work statewide, uh, promoting the census and ensuring that we have a nonpartisan agenda back in 2000. Right. And then when Governor Rendell was in 2010 uh, and I was in the governor's Latino commission, he appointed me to, to serve on the committee on the census 2010. And now Governor uh, Wolf gave me the opportunity to lead the commission. The commission is under the Pennsylvania Department of Community and Economic Development. Uh, it is not really that we have a budget, it's more than we have a mission, a mission to make sure that we are counting every single Pennsylvanian, because for the next 10, 10 years, depending on that number, will really decide our political representation in Congress, our funding that comes from the federal government. And we are talking about over $27 billion a year that comes to the state. So, uh, you know, the investment that we have made from the Pennsylvania Department of Community and Economic Development on the census is relatively very small. Uh, we don't have any budget. Uh, and once again, we have a mission a mission that we deliver the most complete and accurate count because it is in the best interest of every single Pennsylvanian, every county, every municipality, every community. It is in the best interest of all of us to be counted. And that federal funding, you, know, you just said $27 billion, obviously give and take a little bit. The overall Pennsylvania budget of just state revenue is between 33, 34 billion, we obviously know due to COVID-19 that it's obviously gonna take a hit there, but I believe the last budget of the state was about $34 billion. Again, give or take a little bit there. That means that the federal funding is, it almost doubles the, like it's, it's almost doubling the amount. I mean, again, it's about 45%, 40 to between 40 and 45% of all spending in Pennsylvania that flows through the federal or the state budget, which means, you know, it, it we spend about $60 billion, about 34 billion of that is about state revenue, about 20, you know, 26, 27 billion of that is, is federal revenue. But that money goes to a wide array of purposes, you know, whether it be healthcare, you know, special education funding. So this, like, so if you're living in a school district, you're thinking, oh, what do I get for that money? Special education funding that flows to a school district from the federal government. That, that means that it's trying to, so if we don't have a proper count and we're too low, that means that property taxes could go up. 
Um, there's a whole host of issues behind that. Um, so it's important for people to take this seriously. We didn't think, oh, just federal money. That federal money has very specific purposes related to health care, the safety of the people of Pennsylvania. Sometimes it could be even, uh, you know, uh, spe- well, it is special education funding in each districts. Um, and a lot of that, uh, a lion's share that I believe, but tell me if I'm wrong, is uh, Medicaid funding for, for low income um, and working families in Pennsylvania to make sure they have access to health insurance. Is that an accurate understanding? Yes, uh, you know, we have the programs that use Census Bureau statistics. Even when we have some COVID-19 funding going to the states and to the territories, in reality, the federal government look at the census number. And they look at the numbers from the 2010 census because this is another important aspect of getting counted in general. That the number that we submit to the President of the United States in 2019, or uh, I'm sorry, in 2020, is the number that the federal government is going to be using for the next 10 years in Pennsylvania, uh, independently of how much we grow or how much we decrease on the population. That is the number that the federal government is going to be using, is going to be judging, is going to be making decisions on funding for, for the Commonwealth. And we are talking about uh, $2,100 per person, about $2,100 per person. That is about $21,000 for the next 10 years that every single Pennsylvanian is going to bring back to the state from the federal funds. And that is not money that is given away to the Commonwealth. It's money that we taxpayers in Pennsylvania are giving to the federal government. And in return, because of the census numbers, they are giving us that money back for Medicare, Medicaid, uh, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, Medicare Part B, you know, highway planning, and construction grants and even when the federal government and the u.s congress the white house and the president the white house and and congress when they work on, on bills to stimulate the economy or for investment in highways they look at those numbers in 2017 alone pennsylvania received more than one billion dollar for highway and construction in the through the pennsylvania department of transportation and all those decisions made by the white house and congress are based on the numbers that were submitted for Pennsylvania population in 2010. Uh, you know, we are talking about Pell Grants for college tuition, housing assistance for low-income families, Head Start and other education grants. We are even talking about the, and especially now under, under this pandemic, we know how difficult it has been for Pennsylvania families to really support themselves. Uh, and unemployment compensation and the funding that we receive it's also aligned through the numbers that we provide through the Census Bureau. And uh, I want to now talk a little bit about specifically the pandemic and what's been happening challenge-wise for both the, the federal Census Bureau and, and, and you and your mission here in Pennsylvania. Obviously, the date got moved. Um, I believe that was done by an executive order of the president, I believe. Is that correct? Well, the Census Bureau requested, and the Congress as well. Uh, oh, so it was uh, a Congress, too. Yes, okay. uh, And it was extended now, uh, and it is important, and thank you for giving us the opportunity to deliver this message to all Pennsylvanians, that now the deadline is October 31st. Uh, we have a great opportunity to, even under the circumstances that we are living in our state and in our nation, that we can do a complete and accurate count. Uh, the federal government extended the count until uh, October 31st. Uh, so it's no longer July 31st, it's no longer April 1st, a census national day. 
Uh, now Pennsylvanians can do that online. We can do it by phone or we can do it by mail. Uh, the interesting thing is that most of, of Pennsylvania households, they have been responding uh, by digital response, you know, online. Uh, and that is a good sign. Because and that's how I did it, by the way. That's how I did it. And it was very easy. I took maybe a couple minutes. I forget. I, I mean, I didn't time it, but I know it was under 10 minutes. And, and that has been the case all over all over the uh, the Commonwealth. We do recognize that there are some counties without broadband. And that is going to be a challenge, especially in rural Pennsylvania. And we are doing everything that we can through the uh, Pennsylvania uh, you know, County Association, uh, the Municipal League, and many other entities that work directly with rural Pennsylvania. The Center for Rural Pennsylvania, uh, you know, Barry Dent, and, and everyone. So we can do some outreach in rural Pennsylvania communities so they know that the census is here. This is the largest peace mobilization efforts in our nation. Uh, it is an opportunity for us to mobilize, to exercise our civic duty. I believe that for us uh, as Americans in this great nation of ours, there are two things that we must do that, you know, to, to continue supporting and strengthening our democracy. One of them is the U.S. Census, and it's only, you know, every 10 years. That is a civic duty. It's mandated by the U.S. Constitution. And the second duty is voting, uh, you know, and, and to put in contrast, in Pennsylvania, we vote every six months. You know, we have a primary, we have an election. We have a primary, we have an election. And the census is only once every 10 years. So I'm encouraging every single Pennsylvanian to do so. Now, we are obviously in a pandemic. Obviously, things have been delayed. We do not, can't tell whether there's going to be a second wave. A lot of things you can't predict. Not everyone fills it out, and we know that that happens. That's not just in Pennsylvania, that's everywhere. And I do know that you know the census, whether it's through phone calls or door-to-door -door in the past, to try to make sure that everyone fills it out. It, I, and I'm not asking for the answer. I'm sure this is being thought through, but walk people through that if someone doesn't fill it out, um, what are some of the steps that could potentially be taken if you're not able to go door-to-door -door because of the pandemic? Well, one of the things that the U.S. Census Bureau is implementing already, uh, if they didn't get your response online, they are dropping off the paper uh, survey in households all across Pennsylvania. And depending on, on how the situation is going to be moving with COVID-19, uh, the plan is that from uh, July 1st to September 3rd, the in-person group quarters enumeration is going to be happening in Pennsylvania. But in addition to that, that the non-response uh, follow-up from the U.S. Census Bureau, you know, individuals visiting homes and visiting uh, communities across the state is taking place between August 11 and October 31st. That's, that's excellent to know. And we'll continue to push that message here. Um, the way we have this set up, I can't see if there's any questions. So now may be a good time uh, to turn it back over to Gary to see if anyone that's watching um, has some questions for us. So Gary, uh, if you could, uh, if you could uh, step in here and see if we have any questions, whether it be through Facebook or any messages are being submitted through other other chat means. Thank you, General Norman. This is your moderator, Gary Miller, with a question. Uh, in a in a backward kind of way, is the pandemic possibly a blessing in disguise? Meaning, with the extended deadline, might we get a more accurate count this time around than we have in past years? You know, I believe that Pennsylvania is scheduled to deliver a higher count than we did in 2010 and 2000 uh, and in the 2000 year. Uh, I believe because 
the without knowing that we were going to face such a big uh, public health challenge. Uh, the census for the first time in our nation is digital. So a lot of individuals are spending more time at home and they are filling out the census uh, at home more so than, than ever before. So I believe that it has been to some extent a blessing uh, and individuals are looking into, into the, the opportunity to do it digitally. Excellent. Uh, next question is, uh, in the past, some people have expressed uh, uh, privacy concerns about responding to the census. Can you talk to those concerns? Absolutely. Uh, I want every single Pennsylvanian to know that uh, the federal government, the U.S. Census Bureau, uh, us in the, in the Governor Wolf administration, we are making sure that all information is protected, uh, is safe, is secure, uh, and one of the things that we are telling individuals all across the state is the U.S. Census Bureau will never, never ask you for a social security number, will never ask you for a donation, will never ask you to support any political party, and will never ask you for a bank account. Uh, if anyone is contacting any household in Pennsylvania, we are asking them to please call the local police right away and let them know, uh, because we want to make sure that we are putting in place the top cybersecurity, you know, systems to protect the information that is provided. But also, we know that there are some bad actors in the game, and we want to protect every single community in Pennsylvania from those bad actors. Thank you for that response. Next, we know that a lot of Pennsylvanians are looking for work right now. Are there employment opportunities involved with the census? You know, that, that is more of a question for the U.S. Census Bureau. As far as I know, they are not hiring because they completed the hiring back in March and April. Uh, but who knows? That, that could be a question that must be addressed by the U.S. Census Bureau. Thank you for your response. Next, uh, how are we doing so far in responses? Have we heard from the Census Bureau if, if we're ahead of past years? We are, uh, depending on the on what data we're looking for, and we are following the U.S. Census Bureau, uh, when it comes to Pennsylvania, the national response rate is about 60.1%. For Pennsylvania, we are ahead of the nation, and that is a good sign. We are at 63.1% response rate in Pennsylvania. Uh, we have counties like uh, my home county of Lancaster. Uh, I'm sorry, General, it's not your county. Okay but my home county of Lancaster is the top county responding uh, to the census. Uh, and as of today, uh, Lancaster County response is about 72.7%. Uh, I believe that by October 31st, uh, the county is gonna be way ahead of, of what we did in 2010 and 2000. And 2000. Uh, the second county is Bucks, uh, Chester, uh, Montgomery and Cumberland, and if you see, those are the counties that are still most of them in the face red phase for COVID nineteen. Yeah, so that is not even yeah. preventing them from responding the census. And not, not look, not not that any of us wanted this, but the reality is you you are at home more, so it does give you some more time for some of those activities. Gary, are there any other questions for Norman on the online? General, that's all the questions I had. I'll hand it back to you. Thank you. Well, look, uh, Norman, thank you so much. Uh, hopefully you and your family are doing safe. Everyone's doing okay. I really appreciate the time here. 
Um, and to everyone that's listening out there, before I uh, turn it over to you for and maybe any last comments, I just want to stress this really matters. If you are a Pennsylvanian at any stripe, however you are, this is this is not only your civic duty, not only you required to do it, but it is something that can actually help all of our lives. So it is very important to do this. If you do it online, and obviously if you're watching this, you have those capabilities. Um, if, I know I when I did it, it was under 10 minutes. I think it was like three or four minutes. It, it was done in a GIF. It's super easy. Um, there are zero privacy concerns. And along the lines with Norman said, if you do get any of those questions that seem to be asking those privacy questions, that means it is not accurate. And certainly there are going to be tools that are, you should call law enforcement and let them know that that type of scam is happening right away. So, Norman, thank you for spending some time. Any final comments before we get you on to the weekend here? Absolutely. And thank you, General, for the opportunity to talk about census. Uh, I want uh, Pennsylvanians to know that through the administration, to, through the governor's administration, we have uh, created the most comprehensive campaign in our state when it comes to census. It is in 13 languages, uh, and people can look uh, and find this information on pa.gov backlash census. Uh, we have uh, a lot of posters and information related to the census. Um, we also have uh, been engaging the cabinet members you know, the cabinet have been champions for census in the count, making sure that we have a solid, uh, robust campaign and that Pennsylvania know that this is uh, connected to the well-being of, of all of us. Uh, it is about congressional representation and legislative boundaries. You know, a hundred years ago, we have uh, doubled the amount of members of Congress that we have today. And if we continue losing population, that means that we are going to continue losing political power and political representation in the U.S. Congress. That, to me, is the most powerful body in the world. So the census is all about that congressional representation. Uh, then we are going to have legislative boundaries that are going to be decided by, by the census numbers. We all know when, when the founding fathers established the union, they established a government, a republic, a republic that is representative of the people, for the people, and by the people. So if you want political representation that represent you, you need to be counted in the census because those are the numbers that are going to be decided on political boundaries in the future, for not only for the U.S. Congress at the federal level, but also for the House and Senate of Pennsylvania. <clears throat> Excuse me. And it is all about once again, public funding decisions, uh, $27 billion that impact the quality of life of Pennsylvanians from education, human services, labor and industry, uh, so on and so forth. And then it is about investments and jobs and services that can come back to the states. And finally, you know, many times when, when you look at the undercount communities, you know, let's, let's say that is some communities in Philadelphia or some communities, even in my own city of Lancaster or, or in York, uh, or even a rural county in Pennsylvania. When you look at the undercount counties and the undercounted communities, that's where funding is not reaching those communities. Right. And that's where poverty is concentrated. So census is also connected to the resources that we can provide to Pennsylvanians from the federal government and end 
what we have been calling for so long and the cancer of poverty in so many communities across this state. Uh, that is a great message to end on and it's absolutely spot on. Uh, this funding, uh, not only should people do it because it's required by law and the constitution, but it also can help your, your fellow uh, person and also uplift all of our communities. So Norman, thank you. Thank you, my friend, for taking some time out of your day and the important work you're doing, making sure that every single Pennsylvanian is counted. And now, once again, the census count will continue through the end of October. Next on Special Edition, we'll meet Julia Treat. Don't go away. Welcome back to Special Edition. On her website, Julia Treat describes herself as spiritual boss coach with a rock-solid connection to the divine. Intercom's Doc Medic welcomes Julia to the program today, and they talk about her book, Stepping into the Light. Julia Treat is our special guest this morning. Hi, Julia. Hi, Doc. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about you? Fantastic. Now, I want to give everybody a little background on you, uh, but let's go way back. Where are you from, and how'd you get here? And we're going to talk about all that stuff. So wh where are you from? Well, I actually grew up in South Dakota. Yeah, the Black Hills, that was my backyard. I grew up in Rapid City, South Dakota, and I'm a PK, a preacher's kid. Uh-huh. My dad's a Baptist minister, so I, I grew up, you know, in the church, and uh, as a teen, we moved to Illinois and then Kansas, and then I ended up here, and I'm going to kind of backtrack and, and let you know how that all happened. Okay. <laughs> it's funny. I came up here for some continuing education hours. I'm a speech pathologist, and I was at the time when I visited Northeast PA. As my airplane was actually flying into Scranton, the trees and mountains reminded me of South Dakota so much, because Kansas, where I was from at the time, was you know, it's completely flat. Mm -hmm. I was just mesmerized, and I've learned now that I was always being guided here, but at the time I was like, oh, you know, I really miss this, and I actually ended up moving here without really knowing too many people. I knew a couple of people, but I just made this big move. That's so funny. I'm I the started... same way, though. When I when I moved here, I moved here for the job, but I knew nobody <laughs> in this area. I was even lost getting here. It took me uh, eight hours, which would normally take four hours because I was totally lost, and I finally found this place. You know, I love it, but it was one of those things I knew absolutely nobody in town and, and a funny little thing was this is back when uh, cops was on and what was the other show that used to be on after it but america's most wanted and meanwhile they're having me at this hotel which is no longer there it was the train station and you know which then became market street square in downtown wilkesbury and i'm staying there and i'm looking at this guy who they're highlighting and i could swear he is my double of this man that they're looking for in america's most wanted i'm like i'm in a brand new town nobody knows me and the show was popular then i was like i was almost afraid to go out but i, I grew to love the area Northeast PA, and it wasn't me, by the way, on America's Most Wanted, just so you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. So oh, gosh. When I moved here, fortunately, I did know a couple of people I had met. Uh, this, You know, one of them was this amazing family in Dunmore, Pennsylvania, who really took me under their wing, and I kind of became family. So, I mean, I was welcomed in, and I came here. I had a home at, at Lake Wallenpawpack. I opened my private practice here as a speech pathologist, and I began working for the county and seeing children in their homes from birth to three. I also had an office that I opened. Uh, so I would see people actually my private practice. So as this is going on, things in my life just started crumbling. I actually became very ill with what turned out to be a mystery illness for many years. 
years. It did turn out to be Lyme disease, but at the time they couldn't diagnose me. So I was getting progressively sick. Uh, my marriage at the time was imploding. Uh, my husband at the time was in Afghanistan and he had volunteered and just kept signing up and I just wanted him to come home. Yeah. Uh, we had just gotten married. You know, things were going, I mean, as I was seeing at the time, you know, downhill, but actually everything was, was kind of falling apart to fall together. I got to a point where it was literally my rock bottom. I had to close my private practice. I was too sick to go to work. I just was at the end of my rope, and which I think is kind of what some people might be feeling they're going through now. Right, but yeah. what I learned at that time was that things, when I thought everything's falling apart, was when I literally called out to God. And I had not done that in many years, believe if ever, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I need help. Like, I need a lifeline. I need help. And that is how I got connected with the angels. Julie, at any point during this, when you said you were, you know, reaching rock bottom, like, describe what that feels like for someone who, you know, do you feel like, oh my God, I'm in an area where, you know, this is not home. There's no family. You know, what do I do? Is that what it's like? Well, for me, it wasn't. I mean, I had been here long enough to get established and I had friends and I had, you know, um, a lot of people around me. It was this desperation of I'm about to go bankrupt. I am so sick and they can't find anything wrong with me. Just everything that I thought, you know, that comfort zone, everything just falling apart. If that makes sense. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, no, that totally <laughs> makes sense. So now at this yeah. point, you, you start reaching out being the uh, daughter of a preacher <laughs> and you reach out to yeah. God. So what happened? Right, to God. Yeah. Well, and I think too, for many years, just being a preacher's daughter, I was, I was one of the rebellious ones. I was, and I believe I was really like pushing God away, which truly is pushing our own like God spark away. Right. Because we're all like creation. I literally was in my yard on my knees crying out for help. And it was just a couple of days later, I was sitting in a diner again in Dunmore. Mm-hmm. And I looked down and on this placemat in front of me. There's this ain't this advertisement. You know, they have these advertisements right. on the placemat. Yep. And there's one that has an angel on it. And I was just drawn to it. Now, I didn't grow up talking about angels. We didn't. My dad didn't preach about angels. That was not a common thing to talk about. I mean, I knew they existed, but I didn't know anything about them mm-hmm. <laughs> other than what he taught. I saw this little angel advertisement. It was an angel class. And I was just, I'm going to that. I just, just, I just said, I'm going to this. So I signed up for this class and I went and it changed my life. It was like two hours long. You get, you learn about the angels. And then I, we were taken into a meditation where we met one of our guardian angels. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew, I knew her name. I knew what color she showed up at, like all the things. And it just blew me away. And that was the start of my journey with the angels. Now, the person who hosted the class, uh, obviously, made quite an impression on you, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. And she was put in my path at that time because that's what I had asked for. I had asked for help, so then I, this is when it appeared. <laughs> and fortunately, you know, I did connect with the angels before I ever opened up to my abilities as a medium because I did not do this my whole life. I mean, I just opened it up to this, you know, all of a sudden. <laughs> and then when you, when you got, you know, you're about to move into being a medium, do you have friends that saying, what are you doing? You're throwing a career away. You know, why, why are you doing this? <laughs> well, it's interesting because the people that I had in my my close circle, um, they were so, I don't know, they were so in tune with me that they were just like, whatever, yeah, that's cool, you do that, this is making you happy and and this is amazing. And, you know, the family that took me in, in Dunmore, the mother became like a second mom to me and it was when she was, you know, she got very ill and was in the hospital preparing to to leave this physical world and that is when I left the hospital one day just to go clear my head and I was raking the yard and all of a sudden I could see see, hear, feel heaven. I could hear the party that was there for her. Wow. I, I mean, I saw and felt and heard her husband. He even had a mug of beer. I kid you not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. 
So, so I was, so I was, so tears just flowed down my face because it was the most beautiful feeling I've ever felt. I was telling her son later that day about what had happened, and he was like, "You described my dad to a T. You've never met him, seen him, and you just described him, you know, every detail. And he used to drink beer out of mugs. <laughs> it was quite funny, actually. So tell us what heaven is like as you saw it. Oh, it is complete joy and bliss. It's just fun, and everyone's together. No one, you know, it's it's people are reunited. Um, it's just, you know, every time someone is preparing to go there, whether it's a sudden passing or a prolonged, you know, if I'm tuned into that soul or that family working with them, I mean, I already hear the party that start. I can hear the music. Right. I can tell the family what music is playing. Yeah. I, remember, I remember talking so to you one time about it. And it was a question I always had. Like, for example, my mom has passed away. My dad has passed away. When I go, hopefully to heaven, when I die, will I see them as if I'm a little kid or a baby? Or will I see them as I remember them? Or, or is it even something totally different than that? Well, when I, you know, when I do readings, I do see them the way that you, you know, that everyone remembers them. Right. Um, I do believe that we are just light, but but I think the way that they come through with messages is so that we will recognize them, whether it's the way they look or the, the way they act. And I and I have connected with some souls who did some pretty horrible things here, and they're there. I also learned about this, this place called Angel School. So a soul that leaves that did not make restitution or maybe harm themselves, like I'm going to say like a suicide, okay? Mm-hmm. They, they go to this, I mean, they need love the most. If you hurt yourself, you hurt someone else, even right. with your words, you know, they leave, need love the most. And they go to this angel school, and it depends how long they need to be there. And they watch what happens, so they understand the pain they cause, and then they are released from all of that, and they go on. Now, so, that's, the, what, that's what I see. Yeah, so, what so with me being Catholic, would that be considered purgatory, or that would be hell? I don't, so I know, and I'm a preacher's kid, I'm not sure if I believe in hell anymore, because right. I, I've not ever connected with anyone there, and I'm right. just saying that's just my experience. Purgatory, I don't know, because I don't know what you're taught that is. Um, I'm not versed in that, so I don't know if that's what if that's what it sounds like to you, what you were taught. Yeah, um, well, per, yeah to us it was purgatory, you know, going through Catholic school and the, <laughs> the way they run you all the years. <laughs> but it was almost like purgatory was, uh, yeah, you were doing a little time. You're not ready for heaven yet. You did some bad things, so you're going to spend a little time here, and then you move up to heaven. Okay, yes, and I would say that's similar to angel school. I didn't know if I said then I throw you down because it wasn't enough, but I <laughs> yeah, only no, see no. them moving on to heaven. No, that's fine. Okay. And, and angel school is in heaven. Like, it's actually there. There's just like, I mean, I see it as like a separate space or a room. Because it's funny, in my, my view, and again, the way I always picture things, you know, I, I don't know what heaven looks like, but to me, heaven always looks like springtime and maybe Northeast PA, just a beautiful with trees and, you know, and, and that's what I see or yes. picture in my mind as what heaven's all about. I think it's however, yeah, however you view it, however you see it or feel it or experience it, mm-hmm. that is per- that's wonderful. That's exactly how it will be for you. What about like, for example, now with me, I have children. Will I, you know, when my children pass, will I see them as little kids or will I see them as I last saw them or, you know, will they see me as young dad or will they see me as old dad? <laughs> All of it. I mean, I don't know that it's one or the other. It's just a, yeah. And here's another thing I want to throw out. Um, When I do readings and connect with souls who've passed and say someone's here, uh, you know, a younger, their child having a child. So the grandchild, right? But the grandparent's not here any longer in physical form. They, the grandparent will describe that child to a T. Uh, I mean, it's, it's bizarre that our children, grandchildren are actually there before they come here. Mm -hmm. And so I hope that makes sense. I feel like I'm. No, no, I agree with you. (laughs) 
And it's funny, in my life, I, I've not seen or at least what I think consider a ghost of somebody who, you know, passed on for me. And since you and I talked, and that was a while ago, because I said I'd never, you know, my mom passed away years ago, my dad even longer in the 80s. And I'm like, I never hear from any of them. And you were talking about birds and things like signs in my life that are going on around all of us that maybe we don't take notice to that we probably should, right? Exactly. And, you know, they're always around, but if we're, we're waiting, some people want them to come a certain way. Like, I have to see them or I have to this or that and I said if you could just be open to however they can come they can come as a bird a butterfly they can you know tap you on the shoulder believe it or not they can mm-hmm. blink a light <laughs> um, they can do so many things what if the birds most likely because um, you know it's not pigeons and not sparrows but is it is it bluebirds or, or cardinals uh, like the ones most likely connected to somebody that's out there for for you? Well, it does vary, actually, because I do get different things for different people. Mm-hmm. Um, but some uh, common ones are blue jays, cardinals, the crows. I had one woman I did a reading for, and she had like, I, I did a reading. I said, you have like four ants that pass? And she said, yes. And I said, they come as the four crows. And she just lost it. She said, I have four crows that follow me all the time. Wow. And they just caught me constantly. And crows are about, you know, taking back your power, like standing in your power and... I want to talk about morning doves because a lot of people actually see morning doves and they are what I understand angels literally coming to watch over us and I have okay. morning doves that have been at my home wherever I've lived since I opened up to my abilities they have always been at every home I've, I've lived in you know it's funny I don't think I've ever seen I mean I know what they look like but I've never seen in person I guess you would say a morning dove so is that something I hopefully will see soon well you know that's interesting because you probably started seeing those other birds you heard about right right yeah Okay, so it's interesting if now you start seeing morning doves. And it's funny, since COVID happened, you know, I've been doing actually yoga at my home when it was warm enough. It's getting a little cool now, but I've been doing it outside on my driveway. Mm-hmm. One day I was doing yoga last week, and I just um, went in dead man's pose or savasana, and I got up to do the next pose, and there were seven morning doves wow. sitting on the driveway watching me. <laughs> <laughs> and seven is that you're on the right path. Like, see, there's so many messages we can get with numbers, with animals, with you know, there's just so much. And we were talking when you were here one time about guardian angels. And I had somebody one time tell me, you've got 36 guardian angels watching over you, which I always thought, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, when we were learning religion, it was always you have one guardian angel watching you at that point who's assigned mm-hmm. to you. But you said, no, that's it's different. Right. I, I do kind of feel like we do have one main one, but we have so many guardian angels. And I actually am getting ready to publish my first children's book. And mm-hmm. it's about it's, it's a series called My Guardian Angel and Me. And so we have so many guardian angels. Angels, and they kind of come in to help with different things. Are guardian angels always people that were in your life that have passed on? No, not necessarily. A lot of them are angels that were never in human form. But yes, our loved ones can also be those guardian angels. Yeah, and, uh, and mm-hmm. it, it's, that's one of the reasons I love talking to you. And I follow you on Facebook. And I do notice, and you did it the other day again, uh, certain pictures you mentioned, and you mentioned the white doves a second ago. And you, what's it called? The part of Wilkesbury, Seven Tubs? Was that is that the one you posted? Oh yeah, the other Seven day? Tubs. Okay, and right it's, outside of Wilkesbury. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I never heard of that until my daughter Julia went there probably four or five weeks ago with a friend and said, oh yeah, this area of Wilkesbury called Seven Tubs. We went walking around there and I'm like, what is Seven Tubs? And then I hear you or see 
you posting the exact same place. And I still don't know what it is, but it looked beautiful. Oh, you have to go there. I, I've been going there for a few years now. And I mean, I've even, so I have a podcast and I, I, I've i even talked about it on my podcast. And I've had people drive from Illinois just to have me take them around Seven Tubs. Wow. Well, what, uh, what what is it about Seven Tubs that draws you there? Again, I believe it's one of those, those places I was led to. Uh, it's just, it's so magical. The, the energy, you know, I don't want to get too deep about ley lines in the earth, but we do have ley lines and energy lines within the within the earth and I and they are stronger in some areas just like Sedona Arizona a lot of people go there because of the ley line mm-hmm. um, I do believe seven tubs is a very powerful energy center just walking that I mean I, I just take pictures I don't even know I just take pictures of trees or something I'm just guided to take a picture and I literally caught angels in a rainbow like snippet there's angels in the trees and I saw that in your picture the one you uh, posted the other day so yeah let's... I just made a video about it too on YouTube yeah and you got a lot going on so you just mentioned the children's book when will that be coming out I am actually working on getting it published. Uh, it's exactly ready. I'm just getting it um, online this week, and I will be announcing as soon as it's finished. Okay, you let us know on that, okay? Absolutely. And then you have uh, you have a lot of stuff going on. You have a podcast. Tell us about that. So my podcast, yeah, it's uh, it's called Stepping Into the Light. You can find it on Podbean, iTunes, Stitcher Radio. Um, you will get your fill of me, that's for sure. <laughs> I have uh, my YouTube channel is just, if you go to YouTube and just go put in Julia Treat Media, you'll be able to find my videos and I'm starting to share thousands of videos of things I've caught in the sky or all around me and again the angels in the forest is just proof that they're always around we just sometimes can't see them right yeah so they're always around one of the things um I discuss with you, and I think it happens to a lot of people. Do you ever notice sometimes you're driving and all of a sudden you come up on this you know, horrible car accident and you're like, wow, I was about to leave my house five minutes earlier and something stopped me and made me yeah. like, run back to get something else. or what? And then all of a sudden you come up on this and you're like, oh my God, if I would have left the time, I would have been right there when it happened. Does that happen to a lot of people? It does. And also even just if you think about, yeah, so if you can't find your keys or something, you're like, wait, I'm going to be late. And you're, you're frantically looking and I'm like, just, just take a breath because they're doing that for you for some reason. Yeah, wow. yeah, absolutely. That's interesting. We're talking to Julia Treat on our podcast here, NEPA Famous. You've got a couple of books out besides the children's book, right? I do. I have uh, Stepping Into the Light. It's they actually anyone can get a free copy on my website, JuliaTreat.com. You can okay. get a copy of the ebook for free. Yeah, and I'm working on my next book. All right, now Julia, let me ask you this because I know you set up where people, and we've done it on the radio, can call you and things like that, and, and sometimes you do actual. I guess you know it's not a show, but you would go in a room and have a bunch of people. I know we can't do any of that right this moment, but um, have people come in. Um, tell us a little about what that is. Yeah, so I do group readings. I've done them um, at several establishments in the area. I used to do them in my home as well. I'm actually now uh, doing the group readings on Zoom. I did just recently a reading for nine children that belong to one wow. family. It was amazing. They're <laughs> on a couch and they were all like all around and we just did the Zoom right there. So there's no like boundaries with, with uh, in person. You know, some people get caught up with the my business is completely online and has been for years. Right. And so, um, yeah, if they ever want to book something with me, they can also do that on my website, JuliaTreat.com. Perfect, Julia. Well, I appreciate your time this morning. So we covered the children's books about to come out, your other books that you have out there, your podcast. Anything else we need to hit on? Well, I am watching a children's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're working on a theme song right now. It's almost complete, but that will be coming out in the very near future. Wow. All right. That sounds amazing. Well, Julia, give us, <laughs> yeah. the, give us your website 
website one more time and, uh, you know, your social media so people can follow you? Yeah, it's juliatreats.com, and all of the links are on my website to Instagram, to, to YouTube, to my podcast. Just go to the homepage, and you can find it all. All right, Julia. Thank you so much for your time. We hope to get you back here soon, okay? Thanks, Doc. Can't wait. Don't go away. There's more special edition to come. Welcome back to Special Edition. The Wright Center for Community Health in Scranton recently received a grant for their MOMS program from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Intercom's Frank Andrews spoke with Dr. Linda Thomas-Hemack, CEO of the Wright Center, about the program and how the grant will be used. The Department of Health and Human Services from Washington sent a couple of representatives here today to provide a grant and award for one of the best medical facilities in our area, and that is the Wright Center for Community Health. And on the line with us right now is Dr. Linda Thomas-Hemack, who is the CEO. Dr. Hemack, what was the grant? What's happening there at the Wright Center? So we were really excited this morning to welcome um, our Deputy Secretary of Health and Human Services for the United States of America. And he came here to make a big announcement for us, which is we have received a half a million dollars worth of funding from the Health Resource Service Agency of the United States um, for um, addiction and recovery services. Um, and our service lines in that domain to be expanded to pregnant women in rural communities to help those women and their babies and their families. Now, you know, I, I wasn't aware that there was such a need. I mean, are the rural communities not being served unless the right center kind of jumps in and helps here? I think that um, rural communities are notably at a disadvantage in terms of access to comprehensive health services and clearly addiction and recovery services are very challenged in those rural communities here in northeastern Pennsylvania. So now, I mean, I'm reading the news release here and it's the Healthy Moms Program. So will this be an inpatient program where if you have a pregnant woman that is dealing with an addiction problem, you bring them into a treatment center? How does it work? No, this is actually um, really proudly a community-based initiative that happens mostly in the outpatient ambulatory world in the community where the mom lives um, with the social and the legal and the medical supports that she needs um, and the resource agencies all coming together to jumpstart her life in recovery and hopefully the only time she's going to need a hospital is when she delivers the baby. What if they don't have insurance? Um, the program is non-discriminatory and takes all comers. And so um, we're an essential community provider and we actually get federal resources to be sure that everything that we do has equity um, threaded through it. So it's for everyone. Now, you know, the, the Wright Center continues to grow in reputation. I know we have had uh, officials on during this whole COVID crisis. You guys are growing by leaps and bounds and, and you're doing everything. And now this Healthy Moms program is just a, a tremendous asset. But I, I got to ask you this. If, if, a, if a pregnant woman, you know, who is facing an addiction problem comes for help, does she also put the baby in jeopardy with children and youth because she has an addiction problem? You know what? Um, historically, the challenges dealing with patients and families adversely affected by addiction um, really has been, um, I think, um, at the mercy of a lot of stigma. 
and a lot of misperceptions. And I have to say that um, it's a new day in addiction and recovery services. It's a new day in the judicial system. People recognize that um, opiate misuse, substance dependence, substance misuse, um, they're medical conditions um, and their health challenges and I think we're moving in the direction of a much more benevolent approach to helping patients and families and our interaction with CYS has been very focused at least here in Lackawanna and Luzerne County on honoring the parental relationship between the moms and their babies and doing everything possible to keep them together as long as it's safe. Good for you. Now, is there any way that people can get in touch with the Wright Center? Is there any any action that they can take to find out more about your program? Sure. Um, They can look us up at www.healthymoms.org. And what they'll learn from the website is it's not just about the Wright Center. I mean, we are a backbone organization, but there's a lot of community stakeholders involved, maternal family health, the county agencies, CYS, Treehab, the organization called PATH. So there's a lot of partners all working together to make Healthy Moms successful. Or they can actually call 570-955-7825. That number for the MOMS program at the Wright Center for Community Health in Scranton, 570-955-7821. Over 30 years ago, Rotary made a promise to the world, a promise that we would eradicate polio. With the help of our partners and friends, we've made incredible progress toward that goal. So today we find ourselves on the brink of completely eradicating polio from the face of the earth. When, not if, we get there, It will be only the second time in history that a disease affecting humans has been eradicated. The Gates Foundation believes that every child deserves a chance to live a healthy, productive life. That's why we're so excited about the partnership we have with Rotary International and the Global Polio Eradication Initiative in the final push to rid the world of polio. Together, I'm confident we'll achieve a polio-free world. Let's drop to zero. Let's drop to zero. Let's drop to zero. Rotary District 7410 of Northeastern Pennsylvania continues this effort to rid the world of polio. Come join us. Visit inpolio.org. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories, a production of Intercom Communications. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.